0: Hi there, I'm Pastor Billy. There are a lot of ways to engage with us, but I wanted to take a moment today to thank you for listening here on the Harrisonburg Nazarene Church Podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. For more about the church, please check out our website, abeaconofhope.org. That's abeaconofhope.org. You can also catch us live on Facebook each Sunday morning at 9 and 10.30 a.m.,
1: I want to begin this morning with a picture on the screen. This picture will be a familiar one to a few in the room, uh, but this is a picture, an actual picture of the comico Life Saving Station, which, if you've never heard of that, it's in Rodanthe, North Carolina. And uh, some of us in the room are familiar with this because uh, we just announced our men's retreat. For 25 years, men from this church have traveled from the Shenandoah Valley down to the Outer Banks. Um, specifically Ocracoke, North Carolina, for a men's retreat. And along the way is this stop in Rodanthe. And so for many years, our men actually would stop there and serve a little bit and tour. And and you may say, what is so important about the chickama Life Saving Station? Well, uh, it's important because this was one of seven uh, original different flagship stations off the coast of North Carolina, which really ultimately became the Coast Guard. And this was the first Trained shore based rescue responder mission in North Carolina. And it, it began in 1871. And so, if you look there in the house, you can kind of see, if you look really hard, a, a wooden boat. And so, that's um, representative of the same boats that they would have used many, many years ago off the coasts of the Atlantic Ocean when there were shipwrecks and crashes. Um, they would go, and they would go to save lives of those that were being lost off the coast and so as men would gather here year after year uh, we would hear stories and I'm not a huge history buff but I'd love hearing the stories but the thing that stood out to me year after year after year was the motto of those who served here at the Chickamauga life saving station and their motto was this they said we have to go out we don't have to come back that that to be a part of this life saving station we have to go out I mean, there's a need. Look, lives are being lost. Uh, People are in need of desperate help. We have to go out, but we don't have to come back. It was really a message of courage, an invitation to risk perhaps everything for the sake of saving those who were lost. Last week, we ended our series on fear, talking about this idea of courage, and that is a motto of courage. Why do I share that motto with you today? It's because uh, we're going to begin a series today about our church and about who we are and who we're called to be, the future is now. And I believe that motto, while it's beautiful and meaningful, does not always represent how the church in the year 2020 lives and moves and responds to the world around them. Put it this way, in the movie Forrest Gump, uh, Forrest's good friend, Jenny, says it to him this way. She says, listen, Forrest, promise me something, okay? If you're ever in trouble, don't be brave. Just run, okay? Just run away. And to that you say, run, Forrest, run. The truth is that our motto and our call as a church is much like the Chickamauga life-saving station. We have to go out even if we don't come back. But oftentimes, our motto, the way that we respond, if you were to look at the way the church is being characterized by those outside of the walls of the church, many of them see a church who's simply running away from danger, running away. Uh, Seriously, think about it, that we're living in a day, we're living in a day, right now, we're living in what's called a post-Christian world, for the first time ever in America, For the first time ever in our history, the largest religious group that defines themselves today, the largest religious group are those that have no religious affiliation. They don't identify as being Christian. They don't identify any other religion. They identify as simply none. Historians, uh, researchers, authors have referred to them as the nuns, not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S, because for the first time ever in our nation's history, they are now the largest religious group in America, those that have no religion. Generation Z, which if you don't know what that is, that's really those that are 24 and younger. It makes up one-fourth of the population of our country right now, Generation Z. When surveyed, 65% of those in that generation have no religious background at all. The religious landscape ...of our world, not just our religious landscape, our cultural landscape is changing. And many of us within the church, many of you that that profess faith in Christ, you you feel threatened, you feel worried. You you look at the headlines on the news. You pay attention to your social media feed. you, you, You are consuming constantly, as we talked about in the weeks past, fear and anxiety and worry about the difficult world in which we're living. And instead of being the church that runs towards the danger, oftentimes... If we're not careful, we're the church that runs away. But we have Jesus. We have the hope of the world. We have in us, within us, on our side, the one who has overcome even death. And so we do not need to be afraid. In our motto, much like the chickamacomico Life Saving Station should be, we have to go out, even if we don't come back. Because this is the truth for us, that instead of feeling inspired, compelled, called, oftentimes the church is defined as being fearful or passive, disconnected, and disengaged. But we believe over these next couple weeks that God has a message for us as a church, and that's why we've entitled this message, The Future Is Now. If you're new or visiting, these next couple weeks will be a little different because we're going to talk specifically about God's word for the church, universal, but we're going to spend some time talking about what it means for us in these four walls. And that's a little unique for us. That's not something we necessarily do every week, but we feel like God has called us in this series to look in the mirror, to reflect a little bit on who we are as the church in these days, in a day when it's hard, in a day where we can often feel like our our beliefs and the things that we value are being threatened by the world around us, but it's time for us to look in the mirror because this is true for us. It has never been more important for the church To understand who we are called to be. It is, look, it's never been more important. It's never been more important. There's never been more urgency. There's never been a time when the church has been more needed than they are today. So it is critical for us to understand who we are and who God is calling us to be for such a time as this. So, over these next couple weeks, I want you to be encouraged, but I really want us together to be challenged. The future is now. We're gonna begin in Ephesians 2 today. Uh, If you would turn there with me in your copy of Scripture, if you have uh, the YouVersion Bible app, we have an event set up there, and you can check us out and uh, find some notes to follow along to uh, during and after the message today. And um, if you don't know anything about the book of Ephesians, it's written by a guy named Paul. And Paul was Saul, and Saul was like the chief sinner. He was like the church's most wanted. That if they had a, a public enemy, number one, his face would have been right there uh, as, as the one that the church knew was persecuting them, was out to get. His mission in his life was to persecute the church, but God transformed his life. We believe in a God who can transform. Amen? <laughs> That's true. And so transformed his life. And now instead of being Saul who opposed the church, he became Paul who gave his life for the sake of the gospel. And what we're reading here is his letter to a church. Not just any church, not just like somebody dropping in a letter to our church that didn't know us. And this is a church that he ministered to. This is a church that he spent a lot of time with in the book of Acts. So these are people that he loves. These are people who his heart is endeared towards. And so we're reading in Ephesians chapter 2 his words for the church. And I could not recommend more that you spend time in Ephesians chapter 2 because it really is the gospel, from beginning to end, I'm not saying the rest of it isn't good. I'm just saying in Ephesians chapter 2, we really see a beautiful picture of, of what the gospel is all about. And, and we're not, I'm going to summarize some of the verses, and we're going to focus really on verses 19 to 22. But Paul is beginning by just reminding them of the gospel. And he's speaking to uh, something that's happening in that day in that culture that is really tearing the church apart. It's really threatening the existence of the church. We, we may be able to look back and say, wow, I mean... If he, Paul only knew how hard it was to be the church today, well, he's speaking to a church that's being persecuted, he's speaking to a church that's being divided by culture, because their culture believed that there were the Jews, those that were God's chosen people, as we read about in the Old Testament, and there were the Gentiles, everyone else, and there was a huge divide down the middle. That the Jews wanted nothing to do with the Gentiles, the Gentiles wanted nothing to do with the Jews. The Jews believed Jesus came for them alone, and so everyone else was an outsider. The Gentiles believed they had no hope because they, unless they became like the Jews. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is saying, he's reminding them that Jesus came for all. And he's crossed the line, he's destroyed the barrier, the wall of hostility, and now he calls us through Christ. We all have access to this God. And now we're going to begin reading in verse 19 words that I think are really appropriate for us, the church. They were appropriate for the church then. They're appropriate for the church today. It says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but instead fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief Cornerstone In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become the dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You see in Ephesians chapter 2, if there was a word to kind of describe the theme and what Paul is saying, he's really inviting the church to embrace this vision of one, one. That they are not separate, they are not divided, it is not insiders and outsiders, it is not those who gather here and those outside. We are called through Jesus Christ to be one. And if you were to look earlier in the passage, he really begins in verse 15 by calling one humanity. One humanity, all humanity has been called under the lordship of Christ into his church. And then in verse 16, he calls this one body, the body of Christ. And then in verse 18, he calls that we are one spirit. It's not a different spirit over here for the Jews than it is for the Gentiles. It's not the spirit out there and the spirit in here. We're called as the church to one spirit. And then that theme continues in the passage we just read. And so I want us to look again at verse 19 as Paul calls the church. To be one nation. One nation. Look at what it says in verse 19. You are no longer foreigners and strangers. That's what the Gentiles must have felt like. They must have, in fact, many believed in order to come to faith in Christ, you had to become like the Jews. Following their customs, following their practices, doing everything. that. But Paul's saying that's not it. That's not. The church is not dress up, do the part, act like them, and then you are welcome. The church is all are welcome, all are invited, all have a seat at the table of our Lord. In every Greek city, and see Paul Paul is speaking directly into this culture and context, in every Greek city there were foreigners, there were strangers that would come into that city and work and live and make that their home, but because they were foreigners, because they were strangers for the rest of their life, in order for the privilege of living there, they would have to pay a specific tax, And so they were forever seen as strangers, outsiders, foreigners. And Paul is speaking directly to that within his culture and saying, that is not so for the kingdom of God. For the body of Christ, those that bear his name, that is not who we are called to be. We are one nation together in his kingdom. Next, look at the verse 19 again. The end of it, he calls us to one family. Right, that, that He says this, that fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household that we're called to be one family in Christ. And man, is family messy? <laughs> you can say amen to that, right? I, I love, uh, I've got a great family. I've got an older brother, two younger sisters. My brother and one sister lives in Richmond. My other uh, sister lives in the Midwest, so, so they're not here in town. And I remember a specific day. Um, it was many years ago, my uh, youngest son was still at Kids Harbor here, and so I was picking him up, because I work in the same building where his school is, and so picking him up, and we were making our way through the lobby to go home, and across the lobby that day came uh, one of my one of my buds, one of my friends here on staff, his name is Rene Torres, and I love Rene, if you don't know him, he's got a huge heart, he works hard on our facilities team here to make uh, so much of what we do possible, just such a servant and a great, a great guy, and so um, for a long time, you know, Renee and I would kind of talk back and forth, and so uh, his English is way better than my Spanish, but we would try to help each other, you know, and we, it was in love, and, and so we would always hug, and for a while now, I've just always called Renee. When I, when I see him, I say, hey, brother, ah, that's kind of churchy words. We do that, hey, sister, hey, brother, but, but I, I, I don't do that all the time, but just for Renee, I don't know why. For a long time, I, when I just see him, I just say, hey, hey, brother, how are you? And this particular day, with my son kind of at my side, and we're on our way out the door, and I see Renee, and... We don't stop to talk, really. He's just passing by. I said, "Hey, see you, brother." Jackson stops for a minute. He looks at me. He looks at Renee. He said, "Dad, is that Uncle Ryan?" I said, no, 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 no. And I get it now. He was confused. I'm like, that's not your brother, right, right? But why do we say that? Because we actually are the family of God. And I'm here to tell you that I'm grateful for my family, my biological family, but I'm so grateful for the family of God into which we're called. And so we are called as the church, as one family, brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a heavenly father, and so it doesn't matter how good or bad you feel like your biological family is. You are a part of God's family. That's what Paul is saying. Finally, we'll spend the last little bit in verses 20 to 22. Because Paul is reminding us that it's not just we're one nation and one family. We are, we're one temple. We're one temple. You see, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God, the presence of God was always associated with a place. You go to the place, wherever that is, to experience God's presence. But we live, we live under the Old Testament, but we also live under the covenant of the New Testament. And in the New Testament, Jesus came, and when he died on the cross, it said the veil was torn in two. And the Spirit of God did not just dwell in the temple, the physical place, anymore. Now, throughout the New Testament, we hear about the presence of God dwelling in us, his people, And so what Paul is doing, let's look at it again in verse 20 and 21. He's talking about a, a building, something that's being built, a foundation. And while in the past they would think about a physical location, listen to what he says. He says, we're being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. Whatever's being built here, Jesus is the cornerstone. And you don't have to know a whole lot about construction to know the cornerstone is what aligns you. The cornerstone is what keeps everything else in alignment. So they're not just laying bricks, kind of however they feel down here. Everything takes its cue from the cornerstone. And so this image that Paul's giving us of the church is something beautiful that's being built on this foundation where where Jesus is the cornerstone. He is what unites us. That is what draws us together. Man, we're so different. And man, there's there so many differences that we could point to. But the thing that draws us together as his church is Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. But then look at what He goes on to say. He says, in him, in Christ now, the whole building is joined together and it rises to become a holy temple. In the Lord. I love this imagery of Christ as the cornerstone in the church is rising up to become his temple. Now, the temple is not just a place over there where we go to worship, but he's saying, in Christ, you are rising up to become his temple for such a time as this. For such a time as this, you the church, you the church, you, you don't have to just go to church over there. No, no, you are the church, and you are being built up. You are rising up to become his temple. And finally, what does he say? He's saying you're, you're rising up to become a holy temple, and in him you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. He doesn't just live out there somewhere. He lives in you. He reigns in you. And so what is the job as the church? The job as the church is that we are to rise up. I love that imagery to become his temple, to become the place where he dwells. That's good news. That's good news because I love coming together like this. But you know what's really exciting in a minute? When we leave and go out there, because his temple's going to go to Cracker Barrel, and his temple's going to go to your house and eat, and his temple is going to work with you tomorrow, and his temple is showing up in your school, in your campus. I'm so grateful that the Spirit of God doesn't just dwell here, right? He dwells out there as we go, because that's who we are called to be, the church rising up, being filled, being equipped being called, being commissioned to be his temple. And I wrote this down. It's not that we have to do this. It's sometimes, it can feel heavy, right? When we're talking about the world in which we live and we talk about how hard it is to be the church and the world in which we're living, we can start to feel this this sense of burden and this weight and this responsibility. And I understand that, but understand, this is not what we have to do as the church it's what we get to do as this church. That you and I, we were enemies of God. We were sinners. We deserve death. We deserve judgment. We were never should be invited to be a part of his family. We should never be invited, not just to be in his family, but now a part of his mission in the world around us. And so it's not this, this obligation. It's not this, oh, this burden. No, no, no. It's this, it's this divine opportunity that God is saying, you are my people and I'm calling you as the church. Yes, even in the year 2020, to rise up and be the temple, to rise up and be the presence of the living God living in you, going where you go, walking where you walk. That is the beautiful invitation that we have to be his church. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us in 2020? We, We don't live in Ephesus. We're not there. And while I think there's some powerful implications of what, The church meant and heard in these days, I think there's some powerful implications for Paul's words for us, his church, in the year 2020. I've got a statement on the screen. You'll see it's got a lot of words. But about a year ago, as a church, we really felt called to help articulate with more clarity who is it that God is calling us to be. Tonight, uh, many of you know that we've invited anybody that wants to come for one hour to what we're calling Vision Night. And we're going to talk more specifically about who is it that God has called us to be for such a time as this. But several leaders and staff, we came together and we came up with a statement. It's not a creed. We don't stand and recite it together. Uh, Many maybe haven't memorized it because it's pretty long. But it it is a statement that we come back to uh, among our staff and leaders time and time again to remind us of who God's called us to be, to remind us what it means to rise up and become his temple even now in 2020. And so the statement, I'll read it for you in case you can't read it clearly, but it says this at HFCN, we're committed to living lives of complete obedience to God. We sense his love compelling us to worship him wholeheartedly, but more than that, we will reach beyond our walls to welcome the outsider, the broken, the lost, and the hopeless. Our work to bring hope to others through the person of Jesus Christ will make us relevant and valuable in our community. Over these next few weeks, we're going to talk a little bit more about this statement. From God's word, what does this mean for us for such a time as this? We're going to be sharing in the coming weeks some of the things that are going to happen at Vision Night tonight and what that means for us. But I really want to spend the last few minutes that we have together focusing on the last line of that statement. What does it mean for us as a church To be relevant and valuable for such a time as this as soon as i begin talking about that there are some in the room that that word relevant you know it just rubs you the wrong way and you think i'm suggesting that a church that is relevant means you know we we just have to water down the gospel and jesus is your homeboy and your buddy and that's not at all what i'm talking about when i talk about a church that's relevant in fact as i'll share in just a minute I really think a relevant church in the year 2020 is a church that is clearly aligned with who the church is always supposed to be. That if you read in the book of Acts, which is a beautiful study in the birth of our church, and you understand and explore, I think a church that's relevant looks very much like the church has always intended to be. And so you may say, Adrian, what what in the world do you mean for us specifically when you talk about that, that we're relevant? in the year 2020, I think it really involves three things. Maybe not the only three, but I think these three things are huge for us in rising up to become his temple in the year 2020. First, I think we're called as a church to be real. I think we're called to be real. At our, our house, I, I like playing games uh, a lot. And so our kids, you know, all different ages. So whether it's hide and seek or board games, card games, sometimes video games, whatever, we, we do a lot of games in our house. And I love playing games. But if there's one place that we have not been called to play games, it's here. It, it's, it's what we're doing here. It's, it's when we're about the church being the church, we're, we're not called to play games. That doesn't mean we're not going to have fun. That doesn't mean there's not fellowship and rejoicing. But what we do here week after week, what we do in our communities, in our life groups, in our home, as we go out and represent the church, we believe that we're called to be real, honest about who we are and who we're not. We're called to actually take time to listen, to understand, to look people in the eye that don't think like we do and believe what we do and actually listen long enough to have compassion and understand and be real. We believe in telling a real story of faith in Christ, real transformation that he's done in us. We don't pretend. Uh, It's not about hype. It's not about a show or performance or emotions, all of those things. It's ultimately about speaking God's truth to what's happening in and among us. There will be moments in time where we're going to speak hard truth from this word that's not easy. It's not easy to hear. We wish we could just skip over it, but we believe God has called us to be a church that's relevant in the year 2020. And so we will be, we must be real according to God's word. Next, I think we're called to have urgency. I think we're called to be urgent. That this matters. And that's the reason we're real. That's the reason we're not playing games because we believe that this is urgent. We believe that there's actually eternal life and death that hangs in the balance of our mission that this is not just a call to some religion, it's not just a call to doing some things to help make you a better person, that we believe there's a lost world around us that needs hope and God is inviting us, yes, even calling us to be a part of his mission. So because of that, we, we have urgency. We believe there are lost people. We cannot wait until tomorrow to act. We, we have hope and because of that, we will not keep it to ourselves. We won't be pushy. But we'll have urgency to share the gospel, to be men and women, young people of the gospel for such a time as this. Finally, we believe that as a church, we're called to make an impact, to be impactful. I I just, I don't know how you can be the church in 2020 and not have an impact on the world around you. I don't know how we can be who we're called to be and read this gospel and say this is our truth And gather here and do our thing and love each other and it not make a radical difference in the world outside of these walls. And so the call for us as a church is a call to make a meaningful difference. It's all because of Christ. It's all his power at work in us. It's not us trying to do our thing. It's not trying to glorify and exalt and lift us up. But it's ultimately because of Christ in us we believe that we're called to make a difference. To make our community different. We don't expect people to have their act together in order to come and be a part. We want to invite them to journey with us. We truly care, and people will know that. We're not intimidated by sin, but we don't wink at it either. We're called for urgency in these days to be his church, who he has always called us to be. Paul says it this way, just a chapter later in Ephesians 3. He says it this way, God's intent, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purposes that he accomplished in Christ Jesus. That that God's plan is the church, <laughs> that, that his plan, his plan for accomplishing his mission in the world is his church, that even the authorities in the heavenly realms will be told because of our obedience and our faithfulness for such a time as this. As he spoke those words then, God's truth is real for us now. That you and I, as the church, as we put faith in Christ, that we belong to him, We're a part of his church. We're one nation and one family, but we're called to be one temple and we're called to rise up and for such a time as this, God is calling us. His work will be done through the church. That's what it says, that he's chosen us as his messenger. If the church in 2020 is irrelevant, it's not because our marching orders have changed. God never becomes irrelevant. So the bottom line for us today, the truth for us today, is there is no substitute for the church being the church. There is no, that's why this matters. That's why this matters in your community, in your home, in your schools. That's why it matters beyond what we do here. That's why we understand that the church is not just where we come and worship and experience God's presence. That he wants us to rise up and become his temple that bear his name where his spirit dwells in us. Why is that so important? Because there is no substitute for the church being the church. There's no, this is God's plan A for us. And if tomorrow, tomorrow the church of Jesus Christ faded away into oblivion, there's no substitute for the hope. There's no substitute for the good news. There's no substitute for the redemption message, invitation, the presence of God dwelling in his people being called to go. That's why this matters. That's why we're being called to once again look in the mirror and be a part of his church because the future is now. The future is now. I'm gonna invite you to stand. We're gonna close this morning just worshiping this God, worshiping this God that invited you to be a part of his church. Even now, he invites you. You showed up here, and you feel like I'm the biggest outsider. I'm not religious. Man, that's okay. Today, he invites you to be a part of his church. You don't have to get your act together, right? We're one, all invited to the table. We just read that. And today, he wants through you to build up You build up his temple where his spirit dwells and he wants to use you. He wants you to use your life to make a difference in those around you. Sometimes we pray, God, uh, minister to those around me, heal those around me, speak to those around me. And today God's saying, I choose you. I choose you, you are my church. And so today I just wanna worship. I just wanna give God thanks that we don't feel worthy of this, but he invites us anyway. God, uh, we love you today. This This is all about you. This is all about your glory. This really is about our church specifically and, and how our church is known and what people think about us. God, this is all about your glory. That's the beauty of your presence dwelling in us because it's ultimately about your glory and your power and your work. And so I pray today, all would be invited. All would know that they are welcome to be a part of your church. There is no foreigner, there is no stranger, there is no outsider that is not welcome at the table of our Lord when we put our faith and trust in you. You've called us in these days to be one. And now would we rise up, God. Raise us up. Help us to rise up to become your temple where your spirit dwells for such a time as this. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.
0: Thank you again for listening here today. If you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out to us at info at a org. That's info at a org. If you happen to be in the Harrisonburg, Virginia area, we'd love for you to join us at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia. We meet every Sunday morning at 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and then at 11.45 in Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every week, Monday nights at 6 p.m. If you enjoyed the podcast today, please be sure to subscribe in order to get updates and new episodes.